The Lord be with you. And welcome to the worship service of Holy Trinity Anglican in Madison, Mississippi. It is a joy to be called into the life of God and to worship Him in spirit and in truth. Our prayer is that our hearts and minds are open to receive the Lord. By His Spirit, through His sacraments, and in the hearing of His Word, we are confident the Lord will meet us. So won't you join us? We're praying that you will. John chapter 3 is where we're going to pick up. I don't know if it was a divine providence or a priestly mistake. I'm not sure who got it right or who got it wrong, but um, my lectionary said 1 through 16, not 1 through 6, so I'm preaching all the way to 17, so um, we'll just pick those verses up as we go. And um, I've entitled this sermon today, Pictures of Grace, Pictures of Grace. I want to show you three pictures from this text this morning that I think are going to be... Um, helpful to us. But as I thought about this idea of pictures, if your family's like mine, pictures uh, are worth a thousand words. There are pictures that kind of punctuate my life. Um, When we were recently back in Florida, I had the opportunity to go through pictures that my dad, my dad was sort of a pack rat. He, He had pictures all the way back from when he was in high school. He had pictures of he and my mother when they were dating. My mom was 17 years old, and there's pictures of my dad and my mom standing alongside uh, Matanzas Inlet in, in St. Augustine, at, in the same place where Kim and I have a picture that when we were dating, we were standing at the same spot, and we were like, can you believe this? Look at this picture. And there are great pictures. We also found pictures. I have pictures at home. One of my favorite pictures from my life was I was two months premature, And my mother begged and pleaded with the doctor that I could come home for Christmas. I was born November the 13th, and I came home Christmas Eve, 1967. And there's a picture of me in a shoebox. I weighed two pounds, nine ounces when I was born. I dropped down to two one. I was like ounces below what I was supposed to be before they let me go home. But my mother begged the doctor. They finally let me go. And so there I was in a shoebox. And the story goes something like this. is my mom had me in the shoebox under the Christmas tree, my grandfather said, hmm, it looks a little bit like a rat. <laughs> but that's a beautiful picture. I love that picture. Um, there, are, there are other pictures that punctuate my life. One of my favorite pictures is right after Kim and I got married. It was, this, it was this candid photo of us just hugging, and you could barely see my face for her sleeves. But, it, but there we were, and it was just like the happiest moment of life to be finally together as husband and wife. There are pictures of our kids being born. You get the point. Pictures punctuate life, and they, they remind us of key moments, and they do speak a thousand words because just as I told you, that one picture of a baby in a shoebox is a story. Every picture is worth a story. Well, here this morning, I want you to see three pictures from this text. First of all, I want you to see a picture of man's desperate need. Second, I want you to see a picture of God's amazing mercy. And third, I want you to see the picture of divine love. First, the picture of man's desperate need. Look at chapter three, beginning in verse one, down through verse four. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And this man came to Jesus by night, and he said to him, Rabbi, We know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do the signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, 
he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he, be, can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Now, I want you to see this. Nicodemus, we know some things about Nicodemus, and the first thing I want you to see is that he was a Pharisee, which meant that's a pretty big deal. He was one of the religious leaders in the Jewish community. He wasn't just some, some normal, ordinary guy. This guy had studied Torah. He knew the law. He lived. In fact, he was the guy who made sure that Israel kept living the law. He was a religious leader. If, he, if religion could get you to heaven, Nicodemus was in. I mean, he had reached the pinnacle of religious service. He re- reached the pinnacle of religious information and knowledge. He was a leader. He was a Pharisee. Also, it says there, we learn about Nicodemus, that he was a ruler of the Jews. Likely, this means that Nicodemus was part of the Sanhedrin, the ruling council. So Nicodemus was not only one of the most educated, scholarly, religious people in the world, but now he was one of the rulers over the Jews. He was the one who decided if the laws were being kept or not being kept. He was on the council of the Sanhedrin. But this ruler of the Jews, this religious leader, this holy man of the Jews comes to Jesus, and what does he call him? Rabbi. He recognized in Jesus a teacher. This is important. This man who was a teacher of teachers, ruler of rulers, comes to Jesus and says, Rabbi. In other words, he saw in the life of Jesus something beyond what he had ever known. He saw in the life and in the words of Jesus something more than he had ever understood. And he comes to Jesus by night and he says to him, hey, Rabbi, teacher, I got some things I need you to teach me. Because I know that you can't do the stuff that you're doing. No one could do the stuff that you're doing unless God's with him. I think I'm outside the kingdom. I need you to teach me some stuff about the kingdom. Now, I want to hold this picture up to you because, look, there are many people who go to church. There are many people who can answer every question in Sunday school. There are many people who can win every Bible drill. There are many people who can name and recite to you the books of the Bible. But they're outside the kingdom. You see, this is a picture of a man who was eminently religious and desperately lost. It was a picture of a man who needed to know how to be in the kingdom. And he comes to Jesus. And the good thing about Nicodemus was he recognized his need. And maybe you're here this morning, and maybe in the hearing of these words, maybe you're beginning to recognize that you've been in church, but you've never been in relationship. You've been religious, but you haven't been redeemed. That's okay. Today's your day. Because Jesus says to him, truly, truly, Unless one is born again, or you might have a little uh, footnote right there. If you look down in your little notes there, it'll say born from above. He cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus says, look, Nicodemus, for all the religion, it's not going to help you. There's one thing that'll help you. 
You must be born from above. You must have new life. You must be born again. You must have a transformation of your soul that only takes place at the initiation of a loving God. For left to yourself, you will run after sin. Left to yourself, you will live for this world. Left for yourself, you will be left out of the kingdom. But God has set his love upon you, and you can be born again. You can be born from above. This picture of a man, a religious man, outside the kingdom might be a picture that relates to where you find yourself this morning. If it does, the next picture will be a great comfort to you. It's a picture of mercy. Look at verse five. Jesus answered Nicodemus' question. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. First thing I want you to see this morning is that this idea of being born again is at the initiation of God. It is a spiritual reality. Just as the wind, how many of you have heard the wind? How many of you know where it comes from? I mean, we can, we can track the jet stream. We can do all, None of us can generate wind. It's God who brings the wind. And the wind of the Holy Spirit is much like the wind outside. The Holy Spirit blows across the world, drawing people to himself from every tribe, tongue, and nation. God has called out for himself a people. We don't know where the Spirit blows or when. We don't know how some people sitting in a service like this one can hear the word of God and be pricked in their spirit and find mercy. And others go, I don't know what that guy was talking about. But the Spirit of God is the one who enables us to hear truth, enables us to respond in faith, and redeems us and transforms our hearts from hearts of stone to hearts of flesh. It is a spiritual and divine act. And God is up to something. The mercy of God means that he is doing something that we don't deserve. He is blowing across this place with the power of his Holy Spirit, calling unto himself men and women and boys and girls that they might come into a saving relationship with Jesus. He's calling us to himself. It is God making you alive again. In Ephesians chapter two, St. Paul puts it this way, you all, every last one of you, were dead in trespasses of sins. In which you all walked. Anybody here not walked in trespasses and sins? I'd like to see you. your hand, yes. Oh, so good, you're like me. We've all been sinners. We've all transgressed the law of God. We've all rebelled against God's holiness. We've all lived in a way that is not honoring and glorifying to God. We've all been outside the kingdom. Verse four of Ephesians chapter two, but God made us alive together with Christ Jesus. By grace, through faith, you've been saved. 
God's grace in the power of the Holy Spirit has come upon your heart and helped you to see sin, has enabled you to say, oh Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner, and you've, retur- you've repented, turned around, and you said, I don't want to go my way, God, I want to go your way. And something happens. You go from the death of Adam into the life of Christ, and this is a miraculous work of God. It is being born of the Spirit. It is the Spirit of God blowing upon your life and making you new. Has this happened to you? Brothers and sisters, if your, if your faith is nothing but a, a, an adherence to a set of facts and rules and regulations, it's death. But if you have had the power of the Holy Spirit come upon you and enliven you to faith and cause you to repent and renewed your spirit and renewed your life, it's different, you'll never get over it. You'll never get over it. Because he will continue to fill and renew and remake you because God's mercy is new every morning and his grace fresh every day. And Nicodemus says, look, look, I, I, I don't know what you're talking about, Jesus. Like, I've got all the law down. I don't know what you're saying. Nicodemus how can, says, how can these things be, Jesus? He, he said, look, are you a teacher of Israel and you don't understand these things? Truly, truly, I, I say to you, we speak of what we know and we bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I've told you earthly things... How can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? In other words, if you can't understand what it means to be born anew in the power of the Spirit, I'm giving you this earthly illustration of the wind. I've given you this earthly illustration of birth. If you can't understand these things, you really won't understand the divine things that that, that you're asking. And he goes, and he says this in verse 13. No one has ascended to heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Now, I want you to see this picture of mercy. Jesus tries one more time to explain to Nicodemus what he's talking about when he's talking about the mercy of God. He goes back to the Old Testament, to Moses. You may recall there's a, there's a curse upon the people of Israel and there's snakes roaming around. I hate snakes. Say that right up front, hate snakes. One of my least favorite things about going to Southeast Asia is they got more snakes there than anywhere in the world and less antivenom. Not a good mix. I've seen snakes in Southeast Asia. I pray I never see another one. I stepped on one once. I don't know what kind it was. I ran like a little girl. (laughs) I'm not kidding you. I don't like snakes. So Moses has got a problem. Everybody's been bit by these snakes and they're dying. Moses is like, Lord, you got to deliver us from this. And he has him make a, a snake and put him on a pole. And he holds up the snake. And everybody who does what? Looks to the snake is healed. And Jesus says, you remember that story from the Old Testament? How Israel was saved by death by looking to that, that golden snake? The son of man who has been in heaven with the Father and descended now and shown you the love of God and shown you the person of God, he too will be lifted up on a stick, on a tree. And everyone who looks to the sacrifice of the Son for the sins of the world will be 
saved. Can you get that, Nicodemus? It's not about the rules. It's not about the regulations. It's about a relationship to a Savior. If you set your eyes on the Savior, mercy is yours, and you'll be delivered from death unto life. Do you see the picture? I want you to see a third picture, the picture of love. Christ goes on to say, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but would have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. I want you to see this picture of love. Just as that serpent was raised up on the stick in the wilderness in the Old Testament, the Christ was raised up on a tree. And as he hung there, he was the love of God incarnate. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The source of all love is who? God. For God so loved. The Father gave his Son because of his love for creation, for mankind. God so loved you. Not ooey-gooey warm feeling, but God so loved you that he was willing to act in a way that was sacrificial and save you from utter destruction. God's love was active and sacrificial. And he gave his son. And the son's love looks like this. St. Paul to the church at Philippi. Chapter two, have this mind in you that was in Christ Jesus, God the son who didn't consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but rather humbled himself, taking on the likeness of man, became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. You want to see a picture of love? God the Father sacrifices, sends his son. God the Son says, equality with the Father is not something I'm going to grasp. I'll lay it all down for the sake of man, to redeem for me a people from every tribe, tongue, and nation, that we might receive glory to the ends of the earth. I'll lay down everything that love might conquer death. God the Father sends God the Son. God the Son says, send me. And God the Holy Spirit draws from every part of the world. For God did not send his son into the world that they might be condemned, but that the world might be saved through him. The Spirit goes to and fro around the earth seeking Those whom will respond with, here am I, a sinner, have mercy on me. Do you want to see a picture of love this morning? The Father sends the Son. The Son says yes to the Father. And the Spirit, flowing from the Father and the Son, seek everywhere around the world, people from every place and every portion of the world, that they might be redeemed and display the glory of God. Because God doesn't want you in a religious relationship of rules and regulations. Not because rules and regulations are bad, but he wants you in a relationship that is living. A living love relationship marked by mercy that you might know life.
This is your invitation on this Holy Trinity Sunday. God the Father says, you've been separated from me by sin. I've sent my son to sacrifice his life for you that you might be redeemed. If you will believe in him, turn your eyes to him, my spirit will fill you, draw you to me, and reshape and reform your life, and you will be in me. Jesus said, oh Father, let them be in me as I am in you. May they be holy as I am holy. May they love one another as I have loved them and you have loved me. Do you get it? This morning there are pictures that mark our lives. Do you know your picture, the picture of your desperate need? Have you seen a picture of God's divine mercy displayed in the picture of love, the Son, and the Spirit, and the Father? Hear the words of this hymn. The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes, behind, it goes beyond the highest star and it reaches to the lowest hell. The guilty pair bowed down with care. God gave his son to win. His erring child he reconciled and pardoned from his sin. Could we with ink the ocean fill and were skies of parchment made? Were every stalk on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade. To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. Oh, love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong. It shall forevermore endure the saints and angels' song. May the picture of God's mercy and love cause you to sing his praise today and forevermore. God's people said, Amen. Holy Trinity Anglican is a faith family that seeks to encounter and share the Holy Trinity through worship, community, and mission. We're located at 432 Bozeman Road in Madison, Mississippi, and we invite you to join us each Sunday at 10 a.m. for worship. And now, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Amen.